0: Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, tonight I'm just going to be looking at why we use the King James Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the words, worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So God's preserved word, King James Bible, God's preserved word in English. Let's pray and then we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. For the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word tonight, thank you for the promise that you give us of preserving your words for us. Um, we know that heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy words shall not pass away, so we thank you for that promise. We pray that you would encourage our hearts tonight as we consider th- this subject as why we hold to the King James Bible in English. pray that you give wisdom and understanding, clarity, we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. As we think about the Bible version issue, of course, there's a multiplicity of versions. Of course, we're talking about the English language. Of course, in some of the other foreign languages, the Spanish, there are several translations. Uh, As we know from Brother Chapman in Lithuania, there are, I think, four, maybe four translations, none of them reliable. But, uh, (coughs) But we're talking tonight about the English and... Uh, why we hold to the King James Bible, why we believe it's God's preserved words in English. As anything in Scripture or spiritual, it is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. Although there is evidence, much evidence. There's truth. And of course, the Bible tells us here through faith, is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, verse 3 says through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear the interesting thing is the Bible starts out in Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth now it doesn't try and give you any argument as to why you need to believe in God it just makes a statement that in the beginning God of course he's Kind of, it's kind of like taking it for granted that you do believe in God. That, I mean, from the things which, again, the things that you see uh, give evidence, are evidence that there is a God. In fact, Romans 1 uh, tells us that. Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> says in verse 20 for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse so though we accept it by faith faith uh, uh, examines or investigates the word i have uh, investigates evidence or the testimony and comes to logical conclusions you, know, you examine or investigate the evidence and and you will come to a logical conclusion that there is a God uh, Of course creation you know he says there that, that we understand by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that we are without excuse Psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of God the, 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 uh, the heavens declare the glory of the, the God. The firmament showeth his handiwork, day under day utter speech, and night under night show showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. So we accept the Genesis account of creation, though no one observed it, none of us, or no man observed it, by the things that we see, uh, by the things that are made. You know, nothing makes itself, nothing creates itself. Every creation has Every design, a designer. Somebody put this together. and Jacqueline did. You know, somebody, somebody put this together. Somebody designed it, and then it was it was made. Uh, <clears throat> every piece of art has an artist. You know that stuff just on those windows just didn't appear or show up. Or you know I know some art today looks like that. Like, you know, a kid just threw stuff and, you know, um, but it's, it's art without order. By the way, that shows you the spirit of the artists. It speaks of chaos. Modern art speaks of chaos. Look at our world. It's chaotic. And people have all these emotional problems and they express themselves by their art. Their lives are without order. No, but every piece of art has an artist, and all order has an order. Things don't get put in order unless somebody puts them that way. And so, faith investigates the evidence. And so, one of the things we need to do as we think about the Word of God is examine the evidence. What does God say about His own words? Well, in the beginning of the Bible, in the middle of the Bible, and in the end of the Bible... God speaks of preservation of his words in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3, it says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Uh, Psalm 12, 6 and 7. Psalm 12, 6 and 7. And there's there's many verses we can look at. But Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt, and here's, make note of this phrase, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. See, preservation is not a man thing. It's a, Lord, thing. And this is where people have problems. They think because man was given the responsibility to preserve his words, it's impossible to be done. Well, then, really, what that is is a denial of the miraculous. Because if, okay, how do we get it to start with? Didn't we get it through a man's pen? through men's pens to start with. So then inspiration is is inspiration reliable then if 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 God can't preserve his word using men, then can we rely on inspiration uh, the word of God to be inspired because God used men to pen it down. What about the virgin birth? yeah you know, we we can you know it's a it's an denial of the miraculous thou shalt keep them O lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever forever uh proverbs thirty verse and five is verses five and six proverbs thirty <clears throat> excuse me proverbs thirty verses five and six says every word of God is pure now Again, every word, so we're not talking about we're not talking about uh just so we have what we call a Bible, and words aren't important. he says every word of God is pure, so we're talking about words, every word, not just so we have because a lot of people think we have the Word of God, but we're not sure we have all the words of God we have the we have, you know, and so we have to continually work at updating and adding what was lost over periods of time or deleting out what was added over periods of time. And if God is the one that preserved his words, then, and he says every word of God is pure. In fact, we're going to see later on in another, well, in uh, Peter, that it's also incorruptible. Now, if it's incorruptible, it cannot be contaminated. And it means it cannot be destroyed. It cannot decay. So every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So God gives a very strong warning to those who would add to. And we'll see in Revelation chapter 22, not only does he give a strong warning to those that would add to, but he also gives a strong warning to those who would take away. Of course, Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, and again, words, so we're talking about every word of God is pure. My words shall not pass away. So it is preserved. God promised to preserve it forever. Uh, this is a promise that God made. Not, you know, it was not something that man does, it was a promise from God. Uh it's also incorruptible, just like the blood of Christ. First Peter one verse eighteen and 19, 18 through twenty five, actually. First Peter one eighteen through twenty five it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. "...who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see ye love one another with pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away." But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So there's two things here. He talks about being incorruptible. One is the blood of Christ. And we believe that, you know, that Jesus took his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven and it's still there. Hebrews, actually Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that. That there's seven things that are talk, spoken there in that chapter that are in heaven. One of them is the blood of sprinkling. On so the mercy seat in heaven, and of course, he also says that the word of God. We're born again by the word of God. When we receive the truth of the word of God, we're born again. It's incorruptible seed. It's compared to. It's called incorruptible seed. Uh, in other words, it will not change. It will not. It's not susceptible to corruption. Now, they have tried. This is what all the modern versions are about: trying to corrupt the word of God. The, and, of course, you know we believe that the King James Bible is a translation of that which was originally given and is preserved. The Masoretic Old Testament text, the Texas Receptus New Testament text. The Masoretic Old Testament text has not been revised in over 400 years. The Texas Receptus has not been revised or changed in 400 years as of this writing of this book, and I think this was written in, and he says 381. Let me see what the date in this book is. 1992. So, yeah, we're on 400 years. The text of has not been changed or revised in over 400 years. That takes you back, that takes you back to the 1600s. When they were, compiling the texts which make up the Texas Receptus. Now, the Nessie Allen, the West Carton Hort text, the United Bible Society text, they've been revised lots of times. Changed. In fact, this is what this is what triggered Eric Chapman to study the textual issue and change his position on it. Because he was studying He was, of course, translating the scriptures into Lithuanian. He was using a United Bible Society text, which he got through Bob Jones University. And the one he was using was the fourth edition. And they were getting ready to come out with a fifth edition. And it struck him. He says, wait a minute. If the Bible says that God's word is preserved, If it's inspired and it's preserved, by the way, I think that inspiration isn't any good unless there is preservation. So if if we have a preserved Word of God, why are we changing it? Does that mean I have to redo all my translation that I've already done? Because they're they're supposedly, quote-unquote, finding new readings. And adding to it or taking some out and changing their Greek texts. And he he said this, quote, How can I believe the Bible? They all don't say the same thing, unquote. No. The word of God says it's incorruptible. And again, if you study the history of the King James Bible, the Textus Receptus, and the Masoretic Text, you'll find that there's a consistent line. In fact, the Waldensians had copies of Bibles in their own language, Italian, translated from the Textus Receptus throughout history. So, Yeah, the Nestle-Aland text has been has had twenty six editions since nineteen eighty or eighteen ninety eight. Third thing that Bible God says about His Word is that He has magnified it above all His name. In Psalm one hundred thirty eight verse two, Psalm one hundred thirty eight verse two, the the Bible says, "I will worship toward Thy holy temple, praise Thy name for Thy loving kindness and for Thy truth." For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So God says, I've magnified my word above my name. Now, God's name is to be honored. In fact, you know, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 says that we're not one of the commandments is to not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, thou wilt not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. There's serious consequences of taking the Lord's name in vain. In the wilderness, there was a man that that took the Lord's name in vain, and they brought him unto Moses to see what should be done with him. And and Moses inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, stone him. Stone him. It was a serious offense to take the Lord's name in vain. And God said, I've magnified my word above my name. You see, it's a serious offense to be messing around and tampering with the word of God. Of course, Revelation 22 bears this out. He says, if you take away from the words of this book, I'm going to take away your part out of the book of life. I really believe that means that they are lost. Speaking of a lost person. Fourthly, Jesus said, this is again what God says about his words. Jesus says his church. Received them. John 17 and verse 8. John 17 and verse 8. It says this. This is in the Lord's prayer. Jesus' prayer before he was crucified. He said, For I have given unto them, that is his, his disciples, he was talking to, the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So he's He's given this to his church, if you will, and and it says they have received them. Uh, Acts 2.41. But as many as received him, uh, no, that's not how it goes. Acts 2.41. I'm thinking of another verse. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So received the word of God. They received the word of God, and then they were baptized. Uh, so the, the responsibility and through whom the Lord gave his word was his churches, and they were the ones that were responsible for the spreading, the publishing. But you know, you know what we've done. We've done. We've hired. Publishing companies. And publishing Bibles has become big business. Do you know who prints a lot of Bibles? China. Now, why would a communist country print Bibles? Money. Money. It's money. I mean... The King James Bible, I don't know if it still is, was the number one bestseller for years, for years and years and years. So why wouldn't a publishing company want to make money? So that's what, that is. And that's what they're in the business of. And, of course, that's why they print all these new versions, because there's money. It's about money. No. You know, I appreciate churches that, are getting, that have gotten involved in and that have throughout the centuries that have that have published translated and published the word of god it's the responsibility of the church is to keep his word Uh, there was of course a, a curse pronounced on those who would add to or take away i mentioned that already in revelation chapter 22 and and again this is a serious matter it shows you that that God has magnified his word above all his name Revelation 22 verse 18 for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy God shall take away his part out of the book of life out of the holy city and from things which are written in this book now so you know you think about these two verses if any man adds God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book now the plagues that are written in this book are plagues that are judgments of God that are pronounced and brought and, and carried out against those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And your part in the Book of Life is your name. Is your name written there? You know Revelation twenty. So there's a curse to change. To add or take away demonstrates that one does not have a right respect for the word of God. And see, this is, the, this is the crux of the matter. Those that don't believe in preservation, would say they believe in inspiration but not preservation, treat the Bible like any nonfiction book. You know, the writer could have made some mistakes when he wrote. But the Bible is not like that. Uh, God says his word will glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. John 16. John 16, 13 14 says, Howbeit when he the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine, shall show it unto you. Now, One of the barometers that that, uh, we use to demonstrate why we believe the King James Bible is the preserved word of God in English is the changes that are made in the new versions that do not glorify Christ. Uh, Let me get these in right order here. All right. Let's start out here. Matthew nineteen or nine thirteen, I'm sorry, nine thirteen says this, King James Bible, go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The English Standard Version and most other versions say this Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay. He came to call them to what? What are you calling them to? Jesus come on to John the Baptist come on the scene and said, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus come on the scene and saying, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter got up and preached the day of Pentecost and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. And these sinners just need to I don't know. He came to call the sinners, that's all it says. Uh, Matthew eighteen eleven. Why did Jesus come? What was His purpose in coming the first time? To save a lost, right? Okay. They just dropped that verse out. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. I guess it's offensive to tell a person they're lost. It is. Matthew nineteen sixteen. Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing that I, shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is no good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Okay, English Standard Version says, quote, Behold, a man came unto him saying, Teacher, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? He said unto him, Why do you ask me about what is good? Now it takes out, "Why callest thou me good?" And it takes out, "Good Master, is there a difference between a teacher and a master?" Absolutely, there is. Big difference. Words are important. Again, Mark eleven twenty six, if you do not forgive, meant if you, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. That's very important. Let's just leave that verse out. Other so words, if you won't forgive other people, God's not going to forgive you. You know unforgiveness shows a lack of repentance. Uh, you, yeah, and there are many of these. John one eighteen. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten son. Now we understand the only begotten means, unique, one of a kind. That's what the King James Bible says. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. In the Least Standard Version, John one eighteen, quote, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Uh, It takes away from his omnipresence. You know, again, omnipresence demonstrates that Jesus is God. John 3.13. King James, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man which is in heaven. So Jesus is making this statement to Nicodemus. He's standing on earth, and he says, he's, I am in heaven now also. In other words, I am God, I am everywhere present. That's what he's declaring to Nicodemus. The English Standard Version says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. Nothing about him being in heaven. So you don't get the declaration to, to Nicodemus that Jesus gave to Nicodemus, look, I am God. I am the Son of God. I'm here talking to you, and I'm also in heaven. I know what's going on in heaven. I'm there. Uh, John four forty two. He said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Again, the name Christ means anointed one or chosen one. It sets him apart. John, uh, again, English Standard Version says this. They said to the young woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So it takes out Christ. So again, the King James gives you distinctively clear who the person of Christ is. And we understand, and you know, this is, this is easy believism here. Um, and, and there's other places like this. Uh, for example, John 6, 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. That's what Jesus speaking in English Standard Version. Quote, truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever believes has eternal life. Believes what? You know, I have many people tell me they have lots of, they have faith. Faith in what? You got a faith that the sun's gonna come up in the morning? You got a faith that you're gonna make it to work tomorrow? You got faith, you know, that uh that uh by you know whatever. But no f- believes in me. Faith in Gandhi or Mary or whoever. Um uh, Acts 8.37 Philip said if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest and he answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God that's a biblical declaration of faith and it's not there they've omitted the verse and this is what Peter said to the Jews remember that God hath made Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ the Jews all believed in Jesus. They saw him, they talked to him, they saw him do miracles, but they didn't like him. And they would not accept the fact that he was who he claimed to be. Till Peter said, "God hath made that Jesus whom you knew, whom you heard, both Lord and Christ, and you need to repent." And they were convicted. And many of them did repent. See, that's a, again, that's a declaration of faith in who Jesus Christ is, and to destroy that again, that's easy. That's the roots of easy believism. you wonder why so easy believism is is so uh, uh, prevalent today, it's because the Bibles we're using, not we, they. Um, okay. Ephesians three nine to make all men see what is the mystery of the fellowship, the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ, English Standard Version, Quote to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. But again, the King James is specific in agreement with John one one, John one one to three. That God created all things by Jesus Christ. So, which Bible glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ? Does the King James glorify Him, magnify Him, exalt Him, or do these modern versions exalt and glorify and honor Him? You know, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is going to glorify Christ. Hebrews 1. Uh, and, and Hebrews 1. Three, this is, this is very important. Who being the brightness of his glory, speaking by Christ, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. English Standard Version. Quote, he is the radiance of God, the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So they've taken out the words, of course they've changed some others, but the other other ones are not significant, but here's what's significant. They've taken out, by himself purged our. There are some people that actually believe that Jesus went to hell to purify himself. And of course there's Multitudes of people that believe that Jesus, that other saints, and Mary, and other saints can help redeem you from your sin. You know, you've heard of carbon credit. You know, Al Gore and the climate change people, they give millions of dollars to buy carbon credit. You know, they're 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 putting investing money into climate change that allows them to fly around the world in their jets. Because they've contributed money. And of course, people do this for China. China supposedly gives carbon credit. That way you don't have to observe the climate change rules. And you can help other people. Well, you can get your karma credit from other saints that have lived holy and righteous lives that will help you go to heaven. According to this verse in the English Standard Version, Mary can help you, intercede for you. No, no, no. The Bible says, the word of God says that he had by himself purged our sins. We know from the word of God that he knew no sin. So, ask yourself the question: Which English Bible glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ? And there's it's no question. The evidence is 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 plain. It's the King James Bible that glorifies the Lord. Of course, God said His Word would decide. His, I'm sorry, His churches are to decide what truth is. Again, John seventeen eight says. For I have given unto them the words in which thou gavest me, and they have received them. First Timothy three fifteen says, "The church is the pillar and ground of the church, the truth." And the churches throughout history, down through history, all the all the uh, biblical churches have always used the Masoretic King er, and Textus Receptus and translated it into their languages from those texts from which we get our King James Bible. Say so what they're using, you know the. The, the, the Waldensians throughout the centuries used the, the, would use what was equivalent to the King James Bible in their own languages. And, of course, when the Reformation came about and they began to translate the Bible, they used the same text. Uh, D.A. Waite says in his book, Defending the King James Bible, he says uh, on page 40, this text, recept- quote, this text of Receptus that underlines the King James Bible, New Testament, was basically based 5th edition of 1598. Um, i read all this to take its time. Uh, skip part of it. And then it says again, it is a text that hasn't changed. It hasn't had a revision in the last 381 years. So this, this book's over 20 years old. I don't believe it needs any revising. It is called the traditional text, traditional received text, or the Byzantine text, or the Syrian text, or the text of Receptus. It is the best and the only foundation, as far as I can see, to use to translate the New Testament from the Greek language into English or any language. This is a text I want to talk about, the received text, which has been handed down from generation to generation by the church. It's been accepted by the churches. As mentioned before, there are two reasons why we believe the received text is superior. It has been accepted by the church. It is traditional. It's been handed down by the people who knew what they were talking about. Secondly, it has been it has been attested by the evidence. There is evidence that this is a superior text. We don't have to take it only by faith. There is strong evidence to the indicate that this is a text that should be used and that it is historic. Unquote. Uh, again, it's you know the churches have used it throughout history until you get of course, the, the Catholic Church has always rejected it. Uh, the cults have many of the cults have rejected it. But let's look at the Bible and its fruits. Its fruits. You know, the King James Bible, and of course, the the from which it was translated, those texts have produced revi- revivals, missions, so on and so forth. They have they have they have they have brought forth good fruit. Uh, Matthew seven. Verses 15 through 20, Matthew 7:15 through 20, the Bible says there, Beware of false prophets come to you in sheep's clothing, but in where they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Now, as I said, and, and, and you know, the, the, the fruit of the King James Bible has, it has produced faith, revivals, missions, etc. The, the, the perversions, other versions have brought questions, confusion, and compromise. Like I said... Eric Chapman's translating the scriptures from Greek to Lithuanian, and it brought him to a place of confusion. And he thought, this isn't right. How can we be changing? How can the Bible be changing? With How can they be making new additions that are changing? Amos, there's an interesting ver- uh, uh, statement in Amos, Chapter 8 and verse uh, 11 and 12. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord. And shall not find it. Now, is it not true that people are looking and seeking for something to satisfy their needs? They're seeking answers, they want solutions. However, They're not willing to accept the truth. They want the product, but don't want what is required to get the product. You know, my wife and I used to kind of chuckle sometimes. For example, we might be in a restaurant when the kids are little. And our kids would sit at the table quietly and eat. They weren't making a ruckus. We've never had any restaurant ask us to leave because they behaved or there were consequences. And we had people pay for our bill, felt sorry for all the kids we had pay for the bill. no, and, and and commended us for how well behaved we were. And you know, and I and I would sometimes chuckle and say, "Yeah, but they probably don't know how want to know how we get them to be that way." And that is the truth of the matter. I just read that the other day, somebody some some lady was posting something and she said, you know, people commend her about how well their kids are behaved, but when she start ask, they start asking how you get them that way, all of a sudden they're not so interested. You know, people, the world is looking for answers to the life's problems, but they're not willing to go to the truth. And so they run to and fro, and they look on these other versions, and they get a watered down product. They get an easy believism gospel which doesn't satisfy it's a false gospel. And then finally, we are to, as Christians, we are to reject the counsel of unbelievers and apostates. Psalm one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. Isaiah warned the children of Israel, don't go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. 1 Corinthians 15, Evil communications corrupt good manners. Colossians 2 and verse 8. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. And he said, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And so I would ask you a question. Who are the proponents of these other versions? Well, well, now, they aren't the origin, but they're the modern-day origin is two guys by the name of Westcott and Hort. They were ordained priests in the Anglican Church, quote-unquote. They believed Roman Catholic views to be closer than the truth, than evangelical views. They rejected inspiration and infallibility of the scriptures. They believed in Mary worshiped. They believed in a subsidiary the substitutionary atonement of Christ, an immoral and immaterial counterfeit. Now, these are two unsaved men. And they're the ones, there's the, they're the guys that put together the, the Nestleon, the, 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 the modern Greek text that almost all these other Bible versions is translated from, along with a bunch of other guys. Um. They also believed that in Darwin's evolution and rejected the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Now, I want you to think about it, the first 11 chapters of Genesis because if you reject the first 11 chapters of Genesis, Genesis your beliefs are going to be way off. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, we learn where man came from. of creation. Chapter 3, the origin of sin. The origin of sin. The curse of sin. And the curse of sin. To reject the first 11 chapters of Genesis will will bring all that into question. And you also lose the first promise of the Redeemer. Genesis 3.15. You have the Worldwide flood. God's judgment upon wicked men. Something easy believism likes to avoid. You have the origin of the nations. The established distinction of godly line of people and an ungodly line of people. And of course the judgment of God. So all of that, those first 11 chapters of Genesis, are vital to understanding New Testament doctrine. Because to throw those out, where's the origin of sin? Do you ever wonder why people don't want to accept the fact that they're sinners today? Or become resentful and angry and blame God for, their, for, their, for sin? because they have no foundation as to the origin of sin. It's not God that brought sin into the world. See these are this is the two guys that were instrumental in bringing about the the false the corrupt manuscripts that most modern versions are translated from. You have another guy, Bruce Metzger, who worked on these things. He believed Jonah to be a myth. He believed the Old Testament to be a mixture of myth and truth. Then you had Virginia Mullicott, who was on the committee, translating committee for the NIV. And she was a lesbian. And then you had a guy by the name of Dr. Martin Woodstra. He was one of the translators for the NIV. He blamed, he believed that Romans 1 does not fit the case of a sincere homosexual Christian. And there's not certainty of it, but many believe that he was a closet homosexual. Now, why are Christians taking the counsel of these kind of people as to what Bible they should use? Because the Bible says we're not to take the counsel of the ungodly. And yet they do. Of course, you know one of the things that will be thrown at you is, well, your King James Bible has been revised. I mean, I had a guy say to me, "Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever see a King James Eleven? You can't even read it." I asked, um, "What was that guy?" Joel Smith. One time, was that one of? He had a huge Bible collection worth. Million dollars or something, old Bibles, and he had pages of six copies of 1611 you could purchase. And I said that to him one time. I said, "What's your answer to somebody says says this? You know, you can't. You ever see a 1611? You can't read it anyway." He said, "Come here." He took me over and showed me a a page of a 1611. He said, "Now look at that. Can you read it?" I said, "Yeah, I can read it. It's a little difficult, but I can read it." You know the lettering design were different shapes of letters were different there have been revisions now there's been 421 changes that's five one hundredths of a percent of the Bible total since 1611 of the King James Bible what are those changes well for example towards has been changed to toward 14 times now does that change anything Burnt has been changed to burned 31 times. Amongst. Do any of you use the word amongst? No, you say among, right? Well, amongst has been changed to among 36 times. Lift has been changed to lifted 51 times. And you has been changed to ye, which identifies it as plural, because you could be singular or plural. Changed to ye 82 times. Out of the grand total of 421 changes from 1611 to the present, almost 300 of the 421 are of this nature. Now, is anything really changed? No. It's like Eric, Eric Chapman said you, can't, you could update the King James Bible. Because some of the language that's used in our present day, this is a 1769 edition we're using now, some of the language. You know, they spelled words differently back then than we do today. And word meanings have changed. For example, the word let. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If we say we're going to let, that means we kind of allow, right? But that's not what it means in the King James Bible. It means to hinder. It means to restrain. And so... You know, to change that word would not change. It would still be a, you know, you, you would be correcting a translation from the Greek. You know, this, this is really, the King James is not really an inspired. It's a translation of the inspired word of God. See, it's the text of Receptus that was inspired. This is a reliable translation of the inspired. So, you know, we can say we do have the preserved word of God in English. And so, you know, the 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 Westcott and, the, the Westcott and Hort text, there's two of them, they disagree in 100,000 different places. Disagree. Um, you know, type has been changed and so on. So, you know, we have... We have, you know, and the reason, the reason it's not updated is because there's not enough money in it. Because it wouldn't be much different than what we have. There'd be some word changes which would uh, update the meanings of the words that we have now, like the word let, uh, but, and there might be some spelling changes But it would be so minor that you could hardly know it. And so, um, that's why we hold the King James Bible. It glorifies our Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's preserved word for us in English. And we need to magnify his word above all his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the simplicity and the evidence that we see in the scriptures concerning itself, and I pray that you would help us just be faithful until our Lord comes to preserve and keep your word as it was given. We pray in Jesus' name.